Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are good and your mercies endure forever. We thank you that you are our shepherd. We thank you that we have no wants and needs in this life. We thank you for your road and your staff that comfort and guide us. We thank you that you prepare the table before us, even in the presence of our enemies. We thank you for anointing our head with oil. We thank you that our cup never runs over. We thank you that surely goodness and mercy pursues us every day of our life. We thank you that we can call you Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank God for this opportunity he has given to us. We thank God for the gift of life. We thank God for counting us worthy to work for him. For indeed, we must work the works of him who has sent us. While it is day, this said that my meat is to do the will of him who has sent me and to accomplish it. I pray that this also be our desire in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So we are continuing our study and we are looking at the parable of the shoot manager. The parable of the shoot manager from Luke 16. So I'll briefly read it again, then we just take our concluding thoughts on it for tonight. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this idea about you? Give me an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I will do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their house. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? thousand bushels of wheat. He replied, he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewd. Then Jesus is speaking, he said, for the people of this world are more shrewd and last week we define shrewd to mean intelligent clever astute good understanding so jesus is talking to us as children he's saying that oh the children of the other guy you know the other guy called satan called the serpent called the old dragon that other guy with his children he says that they are more shrewd in dealing with their own than the people of the light. Verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you through it? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone's property, who would give you the property of your own? No man can serve two masters. You would either hate one and love the other, or you would be devoted to one and despise the other. 
you cannot save God and man. We bless God for the reading of His word. So last week we started to consider this power and we noticed how clever and intelligent this manager was. And just to remind us of what we learned or some of the things we learned last week, which was one that when the rich man brought in the manager and told him the accusation, the manager didn't put up a defense. So it's safe to assume that he must have been wasting his master's resources. He recognized the fact that it was his decision that took him there. And he didn't wallow in self-pity. But he knew that just as his decisions took him there or brought him to that situation where he was about to lose his job, it is his decisions that will also bring him out. But we like to have pity party. We like to have people surround us and endorse our self-pity. But Hanita does not take us anywhere. That's one of the things we learned. And one thing we also learned, or one thing I remember this week as I was just going about my activities, I noticed that many people, especially when it comes to relationships, they seem to have problems which are not problems. Look at this manager. He was in the situation and he realized that his situation was a problem. And he knew that he was in a situation. He knew that he must come up with a solution. Because for every problem, there is a solution. But many people, especially many young people, we paint our relationship in such a way that as though there is no solution. Mostly, I listen to some shows, like Christian shows, and you see people asking questions. Somebody asked the question that, I have been dating a guy for four years, and I just discovered that he's an arm robber, or something of that sort. Or I have been dating a guy for three years, and for the past three years, he has been abusing me. What should I do? I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I don't get it. You don't know what to do. You have mysteriously been able to survive three or four years in a relationship with someone who has been abusing you and you still don't know what to do. If you were in the case of this manager, like I'm sure when our boss tells or, or gives us the information that we have lost our job, we would cry, we would go around the whole city, begin to accuse our boss how wicked he is. I increase his net worth from a billion to two billion and now because of look at the little baby. Many of us clearly don't know how to respond to situations. And we call certain things problems when there are no problems. This manager was in a real problem. He has lost his job. And he knew that and obviously safe to assume also that he had money because he was somebody who was working for a rich man and in those days they were getting their money based on commission. So for every let's say hundred gallons about 10 would be here. So he had money, but he realized that it's not money that's going to solve his problem for him. He was looking for a solution. But many of us, the way we paint our situations is as if there's no problem. You are talking to the person, you are giving the person advice. It's like, oh, you don't understand. I love this person. I do this. I said, okay, may the grace of the Lord be with you. <laughs> but it's something that we should recognize that you must arise and change your situation. And last week, we looked at the various steps that this huge manager did. And Jesus ended that parable by saying that the people of the world are more wise in dealing with their own than people of their life. And that's very true. Just this week again, a friend was talking to me about a Christian movie she watched and how poor in quality the movie is. And I think I made mention of this last week. Just look at the way the gay community in less than um, what, let's say a year or two that gays have been accepted, if I should say, in certain countries, 
look at the amount of movies they have produced of good quality if i should add just to force the idea <laughs> if i should say into the minds of people but if you look at the movie industry the christians are doing close to nothing in the movie industry it's either we don't appreciate the effect or the importance or the role movies play in reorienting the minds of people and the few movies that some christians not all because there are a lot of good christian movies but the numbers cannot be compared and this is a sector that christians must rise up and dominate this is a sector that christians must rise up and produce a lot the way people are producing or are spreading the message of gays we have a message to spread and it's a message that saves souls from eternal damnation but you can see everything christian movie and you look at the quality so terrible is because people of this world are seen to be wiser than us and even businesses that are owned by unbelievers they don't think twice in sponsoring such programs but sometimes companies that are headed by Christians that their whole organization from the chairman to everything they are Christian people there they don't sponsor these programs they rather want to sponsor a beauty pageant they rather want to sponsor something else but for what reason did God give you that position that's what you should ask yourself and that's thing you also need to make sure of the fact that this manager understood the importance of relationships the old your master so that the once you are there you go into your pocket many of us will put money above every other thing including our own relatives we think money is all in as much as money as Answered many things, and as much as money answered all things to a certain advantage. So this can leverage this position I have, which is about which is slipping away with my hands. I rather leverage this for strategic friendship, for strategic connections, not for money. And it takes shrewdness, and it takes a certain level of smartness that this manager had. That is why even his owner commended him. This week we want to start with the verse 9. After Jesus gave the parable, he began to give certain directions. And one of the things I like in the verse 9 he says, "I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself." That's the first thing I I noticed. Look at the advice Jesus is telling us. What Jesus is telling us is that let money serve you. Do not serve money. That's how come in the verse 15 he says that from no one can serve two masters you cannot serve both god and mammon or money and the verse 9 he says use money to gain friends money is an advantage we have to use to gain certain things unfortunately money has rather become is a tool to accomplish something not an idol to rule and dictate your life Just look at the way people become arrogant and proud when they have money. Look at the way people become so obnoxious and they become so self-absorbed because of money. Look at the way people's personality and everything about them changes for the worse just because of money. Because they don't know that money is a tool that God has given for us. The question to you is what relation do you have with money? You can answer this question genuinely. or you can just quickly brush over and say oh I'm using money to <laughs> I'm using money as a tool it 
affects your relationship. Now let's go to the verse 10, verse 12. You notice that we trusted with much. Whoever can be trusted in worldly wealth can be trusted in true riches. And whoever can be trusted in someone's property will be trusted in his own. So the word there is trust. And it just, as I was reading it, it just brought my mind to this book written by Rick Warren, um, Purpose Driven Life. And in one of the days, he wrote something that life, talking about how to view life, I think um, day five, which is seeing life from God's view. And in day five, he gave us two ways, two out of the three ways for us to view life. That life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporal assignment. And from the passage we read, that life is a trust. Because Jesus clearly stated that trust three times. And in Requiring Book, he, he gave a wonderful exegesis on what it means for life to be a trust. And I just like the statement he wrote. He said that everything that you have, God just gave it to us as a loan. On judgment day, God is going to expect his, his deposit or his principal with interest. And it's true. That is why in the parable he said that he gave one five, one two, one one. So every investment of God in relationship, the investment of the family members, investment of skills, of ideas, God is going to require it of you because life is a trust. God has entrusted things into your hands. And the earlier we arise or we awaken ourselves to this consciousness, the better it will be for us. Because many of us see life as a stroll in a path. We take things for granted. We think that God will send Jesus to go through such humiliation, to go through such pain, such agony, such disgrace, just for nothing. He went through this torture to make an investment in your life. And God is expecting his principal with interest. That is why as often as I can, I always remind us that we must work the work of him who has sent us while it is day. God's work for Noah was to build an ark. God's work for Abraham was to give birth to Isaac and to command his household after him. God's work for Moses was to deliver the people out of Israel. God's work for Joshua was to take the people into the promise. God's work for David was to establish Jerusalem. These are the things you should be obsessed about each and every day. Because each and every day that God qualifies you to see another 24 hours, it is God making an investment into your life. And Jesus in the subsequent verse gives us three things that we are being trusted with. One, we are going to be trusted with little. Two, we are going to be trusted with worldly wealth. And three, we are going to be trusted with another man's or something that belongs to another man. Many of us despise little things, forgetting that in as much as God is a God of big things, he is also a God of little things. So even in teaching us wisdom, he says, let us go to a tiny creature called an ant. He didn't send us to the lion. He didn't send us to the elephant. He sent us to a little thing called an ant. And it's also these little things like the foxes. Do not despise little things because they are God's investment into your life. That is why we all know that the seed, as little as it is, contains potential to become a huge tree. This is the reason why we do not despise little things. What are the little things that you think God has given you? To you, it may be the gift of life. You may not seem life valuable because for you, it seems almost automatic for you to live to see another day. 
to you, it may be parents who are genuinely concerned about you. You may not appreciate it because you have never been brought up in a family where your father and your mother have very little to do with you aside paying your fees. So you take them for granted. For you, it may be those siblings that God has entrusted into your hands for you to pray for and you may despise it. For you, it may be your academics. For you, it may be that church that you are in, that society that you are in, that department in the church that you are in. They are saying that, oh, these are prayer warriors. We are only five, we are only ten. We are not like this church that organizes these programs or we are not like this singing group that has these numbers or that have these followers. Whatever that God has entrusted into you, it may look little at the beginning, but that is your report card for something big. Your stewardship in handling the letter is your report card for God to give you bigger things. So ask yourself, that is why it's almost impossible that if you cannot pay tight on 100 Ghana cities, it is close to impossible to pay tight on a thousand Ghana cities and the same for a ten thousand Ghana cities. If you can't honor God with your substance when you are making your national service allowance, it's almost close to impossible to honor God when you are making a five-digit salary, a six-digit salary. Because let's say national service are making five nine nine. So if you want to honor God, let's say you want to honor God with 50 cities, and you look at how 50 cities can be your transportation for a week. They're like, hey Charlie. And you look at you can't honor God with letter. It's close to impossible. How much more when you start receiving 30,000 and now maybe you want to pay 1,000? Somebody's fees for two years. <laughs> ah, if you are not faithful in letter, it's almost close to impossible. And he calls it worldly wealth. He says, if you cannot handle money, how can you handle true riches? So money is not true riches. Because somebody says money is like ice block. It's in your hands. Then before you know, and many of you have had this scenario. Maybe, I don't know, I'm sure many of you have had this scenario. You are expecting an amount of money. Let's say a huge amount of money. You're expecting the money. Maybe you went to do some contract work or you got a gig somewhere or an uncle or somebody promised you some money and the money looked so big. And let's say a year down the line, you look back and say, ah, I once had this amount of money. You have no idea where the money has gone to. Yet you have not used the money to do anything meaningful, but the money just seems that's how money is. If you cannot handle people as friends, God will be scared to give you his beautiful daughter as a wife. If you can't handle things that are temporal, God is afraid to give you things that are permanent. Life is a trust. And the last one, he says that if you cannot handle that which is another man's, you cannot handle that which is your own. And this is where many of us miss it. We are always waiting, especially if you are working for someone. Many of us, especially in the, in fact, both government sector and private sector, we everybody has their syndrome. Those who are in the government sector feel like we are the government. No accountability, nobody can sack you. The worst they do is transfer. So you can literally do anything you want. Even if your boss, your supervisor is being harsh, you know that in terms of sucking, we can't. Maybe just out of respect. But look at the attitude people have in the government sector. 
when you go into the private sector, they look at their car, as I said, <laughs> employers with their, and their issue with the cars that their employees drive. <laughs> you look at the car your employees driving. Maybe if the, your employee has kids that come around, they look at the hey, look at this small girl, this small boy. See the phone is holding. See the car the person is driving. When your eyes are so obsessed with these things, you become a lackadaisical at work. But the Bible is saying that if you cannot be trusted with somebody else's job, how do you want God to trust you with your job? So when you are in such an uncomfortable, maybe it's true where you are, you are being underpaid or whichever story it is. But the issue is that you must see that season of your life as a trust. It's not permanent. You must see that season as writing your exams, where a time can come, can go before God with a report card that God, I have been faithful in another month. I think it's time that you give me my own. And the fantastic thing is that God is a good God. You don't even have to be a tell God this because the Bible says that until the time appointed by the Father, your Father is monitoring your life. So when you pass the test, of handling which that which is another man's, God will give you us. You don't have to ask. That is why almost everybody, in fact, everybody in the ministry starts by serving under someone. And how well you serve under someone will determine how well somebody will serve under It's the law of trust. <laughs> if you cannot handle that which is another man's, how can God entrust you with someone else? And I know some people will bring up the idea that, hey, I know some people if you look at this person's attitude, you can't believe that he was faithful in somebody else's own. How come God has given him his own? We all don't know how the person got his own. And that should not even be your focus. Focus on your dealings with God. That should be your exception. Because frankly, sometimes when you look at some people, you wonder, hey, how did this person become a CEO? How did this person get this? How did that should be none of your business. Yours is to pass the test and the trust and the temporal assignment that God has given to you. Because every test or every trust that you pass, you are filling your report card with A's, with A's. And when the time that has been appointed by the Father, when you have met the Father's past luck, He will deliver that which is yours into your hand without stress. And this is the principle that David operated by. That's why his kingdom was established. If David had killed Saul, his people would have one day rebelled against him. But when the people around David noticed how David venerated Saul, even though one, he was demon-possessed, and two, he was trying to kill him, David had every reason to kill Saul. Because in self-defense, this guy is trying to kill my life, trying to take my life. This guy is demon-possessed, yet still David venerated King Saul. No wonder he had so many royal people with him because they noticed his loyalty to someone. So Jesus said, if you are not faithful with that which is another man's, who will give you that which is yours? So before you go complaining to God, before you go mumbling and getting angry, why God has delayed or why God is delayed or why God doesn't seem to answer you, ask yourself if you have passed these three tests. Have you passed the test of the trust or have you been trusted or able to do have you passed the trust test of little? Have you passed the trust test of temporal things? And have you passed the trust test of that which is another man's? In every point in your life, you will always have the opportunity to be a steward of somebody, of something that belongs to somebody else. And God is watching you closely how you would handle it because that will be the report card as to whether you qualify 
to handle your own. So David was handling the few sheep in the wilderness with all his life. No wonder he was a king that could defend his people, that he never lost a battle. What a king. Life is a trust. We bless God for such a session. And I hope that you would, on your own, go through the parable of the shoe manager and any lessons you learn that you have not stated here. You can feel free to share with us on the Telegram channel. Any questions you have, you can feel free to bring it up. And let's see what you can also learn from it. I want to just spend some time in prayer. I want to thank God for qualifying us or for choosing us to be stewards. If for nothing at all, you are a steward of life. God has given you the gift of life. God has given you the gift of time. We want to thank God that he has qualified you to be a steward. You are a steward of something little. You are a steward of something temporal. And you are a steward of that which is another man. God has at least you have passed the first stage to be qualified to be a steward. We want to just thank God our Father. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for entrusting us with the gift of life. Thank you for entrusting us with these abilities. Some of you, God has given you beauty. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are nice to behold. How are you handling it? Are you like Queen Vasti or you are like Queen Esther? Some of you, God have given you nephews and nieces to look after. How are you handling them? How are you dealing with them? Some of you have roommates. How are you dealing with them? Remember that life is a trust and how well you pass this trust test will determine how well God will bless you. Father, we pray for grace that we will pass the trust test of the little. We pray for grace that we will pass the trust test of that which is temporal and we pray for grace that we will pass the trust test of that which is another man. We pray for the grace to be clever. Father, we pray for the grace of shrewdness. May we be clever. May we be intelligent. Father, we pray for ideas. We pray for ideas. We pray for solutions to our problems. Many of us find ourselves in a certain place and we think our only solution to complain and mama and get angry at God. But like this shrewd manager, he said, I don't know how to dig. I don't know how to bend. I'm rather going to use what God has given me. Father, we pray for grace that we will use, that we will see what you have given us and use it like this shrewd manager. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray for wisdom, Lord, into all things. We pray for shrewdness. We pray for a good understanding. May we be intelligent. May we know how to take good decisions. May we know how to make things out of nothing. May we know how to come up with solutions when everybody is thinking it's a lost case. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we cancel every spirit of self-pity, every spirit of condemnation, every spirit of sobering, every spirit of giving up, every spirit of accepting our situation which is negative. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray for grace to arrive in thee that the light has come and the glory of God has risen upon us. Father, we thank you for choosing us. We thank you for loving us. And we thank you for making us shield even in this life. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Remember to give God your best and to make sure that for the rest of the year, you owe no man nothing but love. See you next week. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye.